Universal basic income. This has been around for a long period of time. Just now, though, it's getting popular. We're going to talk about this today. What is it? What is it all about? How can it help the average American? A lot of things to dive into today. You are watching The True Middle. I am your host, Paul Melikivi. This is where we talk about politics, faith, and business from a real perspective. Guys, a lot of exciting things going on in the country right now. Things are in a panic. The coronavirus is taking over. The economy is tanking. People are losing their jobs. Now there's a lot of talk about the universal basic income. This is an idea that's been around for years. So why is it making a resurgence? Well, we're going to dive deep today, talk about the universal basic income, the concept, what it does, and why I am a real advocate of getting this put on the record books forever is something that can help us tremendously. If you are in the middle class, if you're an average American, you know how it is to be struggling, how you have to worry about getting your bills paid, how you don't have enough money for an unexpected expense, how you're scared that one disaster or one snafu can wreck you financially because you don't have an emergency fund. Truth is, it's just the statistics tell us that most average Americans don't even have $400 in reserve for an emergency. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So we're going to dive into this universal basic income. We're going to take a look and see what it's about, kind of go through the history, kind of go over who supports the basic income. And then we're really going to dive deep into the pros and the cons. And then you'll be able to make your decision. Is this something that you would be in favor for if the government implemented this on a permanent basis? Or do you think it's just good for a temporary relief? So... I'm excited that you're able to join me today, guys. If you're just the first time tuning in, make sure you subscribe. If you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that notification bell so you're aware when we have new episodes that are uploading to you on a consistent basis. We're going to dive into some good stuff down the road. So let's get into the basic, universal basic income. We're going to see what that's about. We're going to talk about what it is. First of all, let's take a description, take a look at a description of what this really is. So the universal basic income, if you can take a look at my screen here, I'm going to share it with you. Universal basic income is a government guarantee that each citizen receives a minimum income. So it's also called a citizen's income. It's called a guaranteed minimum income or a basic income. Uh, most recently, Andrew Yang running his campaign, he called it a freedom dividend. The intention behind the payment is to provide enough to cover the basic cost of living and provide financial security for most Americans. Now, we know that a lot of us are struggling. A lot of us are working multiple jobs. A lot of us are scared that we're not going to have enough money to make ends meet. And this is just one of the things that we have in place that will help us with, with the situation. So Andrew Yang, who is running for president, he was really one that, that really brought this into the forefront, um, talking about, I mean, his whole campaign, his whole platform was based upon universal basic income. He was talking about the universal basic income in, in terms of the loss of jobs that's going to create it by that's going to be happening because of automation, because of technology, because of automation, because of robots. It's going to start displacing a lot of American workers as we find these robots that are able to do our jobs longer, better, um, cheaper. Then that's going to cause massive layoffs over 
bunch of different industries. He's talking about truckers, talking about retail workers, call center workers, even lawyers, doctors. As our technology gets better, as we're implementing all this uh, automated um, robots and, and all this, then, you know, people are going to get laid off. People are going to lose their job. What are these workers going to do? And so his concept on this is that one thing that we can do, and he proposed his his proponent was for a thousand dollars a month to every U.S. adult that you get free and clear, regardless. Um, he wrote a book about it. You see here, it was the war on normal people. Um, basically, what he was saying that it would enable people to more effectively transition from shrinking industries and environments to new ones and be perhaps the greatest catalyst to human creativity that we ever seen. So there's a lot of uh, ways to argue this. If people have more financial security, then they're able to step out. They're able to take more risks. They're not as stressed out. It helps us with uh, better health, helps us to more enjoyable lives. It helps us to be not so stressed out. Uh, rightfully so. And I, 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 I'm with him on this. I think that this is a great way for us to minimize our stress, minimize all the work that we have to do. Uh, but Andrew Yang even would admit that a lot of his ideas, uh, what really prompted his interest to dig into it deeper was a book that he read called Raising the Floor. Raising the Floor was written by Andy Stern. Now, what's important to know about Andy Stern is he's a labor guy. He was a president of the Service Employees International Union you know, one of the largest unions in the world um, for a long period of time. He was a real fan of labor. But as he started to see technology creeping, he started to see how this technology was going to threaten the jobs of people. It was going to threaten labor. And so he wrote a book about it. And what he says is the point of UBI is to give poor and lower income people more freedom to choose their own lives, which is the essence of democracy. So if you read that book, I'll give you a link. Um, in the description of both his book, Raising the Floor, and Andrew Yang's book, The Great Reads. They're also available on audio, uh, Audible. Check it out. Um, it'll give you a lot of good information on this. So this is nothing new. I mean, yes, you know, it's, it's in the mainstream now. There's a lot more talk about it. People are starting to really take this thing seriously. Uh, but if you really look back, there will be some people that may surprise you that were actually advocates of the universal basic income. President Barack Obama. He mentioned universal basic income, and he mentioned um, the the opportunity that we may actually have to look into this. He was talking about the outsourcing of jobs from north to south, from east to west, and why this was a dominant trend in the 20th century, that the biggest challenge to workers is going to be technology. And what he said is that we're going to have to consider new ways of thinking about these problems, the problems of technology and automated workers. And he said that one thing we can do is we have to think about these things like a universal income review of our work week, how we retrain our young people, and how we make every day, everybody an entrepreneur at some level. But we're going to have to worry about economics if we want to get democracy back on track. So his big concern is empowering people, talking about a way to free up the younger generation to give them more opportunity to go and become entrepreneurs. And he said this is something that we should look into. Robert Reich, who is also a very popular author, he served in the Obama administration. He's currently the professor of public policy at the University of California at Berkeley. He's also the senior fellow at the Bloom Center. Um, he served as the Secretary of Labor under Clinton administration. Um, he was named by Time Magazine as one of the t top 10 most effective cabinet secretaries in the 20th century. Um, his argument is that universal basic income is necessary but it's insufficient. So he's saying it's going to help, but it's going to be not enough that the 
future where automation plays an increasingly prevalent role in the way that work gets done, that we're going to have to confront these re realities and that we're going to have to really take a look at the things that are causing this income inequality between the rich and the poor. And cash handouts by the government is one way that we can help alleviate some of the stress on some of the less fortunate um, Americans. Another person that advocated for universal basic income is this guy here, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook. Um, he gave a speech at Harvard, his commencement speech, and what he said is that, let's face it, there is something wrong with the system where I, Mark Zuckerberg, can leave Harvard and make billions of dollars in 10 years while millions of students can't afford to pay off their loans, let alone start a business. He says, where previous generations fought for the right to vote and for civil rights, the current generation must fight for equality. He said, it's our time to define a new social contract for our generation. We should explore ideas like universal basic income to give everyone a cushion to try new things. So his argument for universal basic income is that he was able to succeed because he had a support cushion, a support system that allowed him the, the ability to take risks. It gave him the opportunity to fail because he came from a rich family. So he knew that even if he didn't graduate Harvard, even if he sunk money into this Facebook project, if it didn't succeed, he was going to be okay. It wasn't going to put him out on the streets. He had a lot of support. He had you know, wealthy friends, of course, so he can always find money, start a new endeavor, or he could go in and get a high-paying job, graduate from Harvard, make a lot of money. But unfortunately, that's not the case for most of us. You know, most of us can't afford to take that risk. If, uh, if you save $10,000, this is your life saving, and you're willing to risk it on a business, guess what, guys? If that business goes under, you don't make any money. What's happening? You're losing, you're losing your life savings. And for most of us, what does that mean? That means that we're going back to a regular nine to five job doing something that we don't enjoy and we're being miserable for the rest of our lives. So here's another advocate here. Elon Musk, most of us know him as the uh, CEO of SpaceX. He's also the CEO of Tesla. Um, he knows the future. If, if there's one guy that's futuristic thinking, if there's one guy that's really out there with his thoughts about what is possible in the future, he's really, you know, he's in the midst of the artificial intelligence revolution. He knows a lot about it. He has companies that are studying. He's warned about the effects of automation and AI and the capabilities and how it's going to wipe out thousands of people from work. He says there is a pretty good chance that we will end up with a universal basic income or something like that due to automation. He says, I'm not sure what else one would do. I think that it would happen. So he's saying that universal basic income for him is obvious. He's saying it's obvious that when people lose work and there's no jobs to be found, we're going to have to find a way for them to sustain themselves. And so the only way we can do it is a big cash influx from the government. And so you see a lot of these billionaires, a lot of these forward thinkers are pushing forward. This guy here, Richard Branson, you know, we know him as the CEO of Virgin Airways, Virgin Music, a lot of great entrepreneurial business endeavors. He's recently said that universal basic income is both reasonable, is a reasonable response to the rise in artificial intelligence and a potential solution for income inequality. He said a basic income should be introduced in Europe and in America. It's a disgrace to see people sleeping on the streets with this material wealth all around them. So he said, hey, we have a lot of money in this world. There's all of this wealth. There's billionaires, multi-billionaires. There's a lot of money out there in the system. To see people sleeping on the streets because they can't afford rent 
is a disgrace and that this universal basic income is one way that we could solidify that. So that's some of your rich billionaires. There's a bunch of other advocates. Um, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Peter Barnes, entrepreneur, Keith Ellison, Milton Friedman, James Baker, who is U.S. Treasury, Treasury Secretary. Um, Jack Dorsey, founder of Twitter, advocate at one point in time. Henry Paulson, who's a former U.S. Treasury Secretary. Um, I t- told you about Robert Reich. You got George Schultz, who's a former U.S. Treasury. A lot of former U.S. Treasury Secretaries have been advocating and talking about this. Um, Sam Altman, Y Combinator President. Uh, Bill Gross, financial manager. Robin Chase, Ryan Holmes, who's a Hootsuite CEO. Um, S. Robson Walton, who's a former Walmart chairman. A lot of these people see the need for this universal basic income. Um, they've advocated for it one way or the other. So let's really get into it, what it means in real life. right? What are the pros? What are the cons? Why should we have it versus why should we not have it? Why hasn't this become commonplace throughout the years? There's been a lot of people that advocated for it. This goes way far back. So let's take a look at some of the some of the pros here. First of all, that if you have $1,000 a month or some form of universal basic income coming into the hands of your average Americans, workers could afford to wait for a better job or for better wages if they feel. So one of the great tragedies in our society right now is you have a lot of people spending tens of thousands of dollars on a college education so they could go out there in the workforce to find jobs that they're underqualified for that does not warrant the type of money that they deserve because there's no jobs out there when they graduate. So now they're forced to get into jobs that are well below their skill level, um, that they're lower paying, lower paying jobs. They have no choice because there's no other source of revenue. So if you have a cushion, if you have a little bit of money coming into you, then maybe you can take a little bit longer, see what your options are, take a little bit more time to really analyze what those opportunities are that are facing you. Another pro to universal basic income is that workers at low page weighing jobs will be able to be a little bit more comfortable. So a big problem that we have is you have a lot of people that are low, uh, working these low-wage-paying jobs, restaurant workers, you know, fast food workers, retail workers, average somewhere between $10 to $15 an hour. There's no way that you can sustain a living off of $10 to $15 an hour. I mean, it comes to, what, $27,000 a year. It's ridiculous, right? So now if you have an additional cushion on top of that, you're free to make as much money as you, as you, as you make at your job. Now you have an extra $1,000. Guess what? That could be a deal breaker. If you're looking at a, fe- if you're looking at a husband and wife, that's an extra $24,000 a year coming into your pockets. That is a game changer for a lot of Americans who you know, can't really get by with that minimum wage or that low-paying job because your, your, your cost of living is just going to exceed that. So this is going to help bridge that gap. You know what else is going to do by bridging that gap? The gap is going to eliminate the need for multiple jobs. There's thousands of people that are working two or three jobs just to make ends meet. Think about all of the gig workers, your Uber drivers, your Lyft drivers, your DoorDash. Um, all these people, most of them are working part-time. Why? Because it's a second gig for them because their full-time job isn't giving them enough, mo- enough money to survive. So now they're going out, they're spending extra hours on the road, they're spending extra hours working these second jobs. Some people are working two or three jobs because they just can't make enough. So now... Uh, some extra income in your hand is going to eliminate the need for these multiple jobs. It's going to give you a little bit of a cushion. And guess what that means? That means that you'll be able to, you know, get a break. You get spend more time with your friends. Maybe spend more time with your family. Spend some time with your children. Maybe you can take up a hobby, make life a little bit more enjoyable, release some of your stress. Um, it's going to, in turn, lead to more productive and healthier lives. So the, the less stressed we are, 
The more leisure time we have, the more time we're able to enjoy time with our friends and our family, the happier lives would be. And guess what? But if, if it reduces stress, it's going to ease um, some, of, some of our health conditions. So it'll help us with our health care costs. If you can reduce stress um, by easing concerns about financial insecurity, that's going to mean a world difference in the lives of a lot of average Americans. It's also going to increase an individual's choice to be able to go back to school, maybe care for a relative, or start a business. And this is to, to Mark Zuckerberg's point. If I have an extra $1,000 a month, now maybe that gives me a little bit more cushion where, you know what, between my wife and I, my wife is, is, is making some money, we get two extra $2,000 a month between the two of us, I can afford to not necessarily take on a second job, or maybe I don't have to work at all. I can go ahead and go get that additional education, educate myself. Maybe I could take some time off to care for my elderly parents. Maybe I could take some time off to care for a child or others that are in need. Or maybe now I have an extra cushion where I can go ahead and start a business. And if that business does not work, I am not going to put myself into financial ruin because I have some extra money. I'm not taking the money that I'm making from my job that I need to pay my bills and risking it all on this new venture. So if we're able to start a business, if we're able to be successful as entrepreneurs, and that's going to help us generate that long-time wealth, it's also going to um, help our system. Um, it is a straightforward financial assistance program that's going to minimize bureaucracy bureaucracy so you can imagine programs that we have now like welfare you know i don't know about how many of you know or on welfare or know people that have been in a system that rely on this this system is broken it's horrible it is horrible i mean it's it's, it's a bunch of red tape it's a bunch of song and dance it's a bunch of qualifications it's a bunch of limitations it, ba it basically puts you in this trap where you're 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 subject to the system right so there's a lot of bureaucracy in um, managing that program. You have to have applications. You have to process. You have case files. You have case workers that review the cases, make sure people are going out looking for work. You have to, you know, you have to reapply every six months or every year or whatever that is to make sure that you still qualify. So it's a bunch of hurdles, and they make it hard for a reason. They make it hard because they want to discourage people from doing it, right? So in making it hard, what that's doing is bringing an additional cost back into the government. And making it very expensive to manage these programs. If you have universal basic income that is sent out to everybody regardless of their situation, guess what? There is really no bureaucracy in trying to manage that. Um, and what it's also going to do is going to decrease your administration costs, obviously. So if you have less bureaucracy, if you have less people that have to oversee the program to make sure people aren't scamming it or lying and cheating, then guess what? It's going to decrease your cost overall. It's going to be better for our government. So... There's also going to be a situation where it allows room for emergencies or disasters. We talked about in the beginning of the broadcast how a lot of us cannot afford a sudden emergency. Most of us don't have an extra $400 in the bank to take care of us when times get hard or if our car breaks down or if we have a medical emergency. It's just not going to happen. We don't have the money or the resources to do that. Now, if you have an extra $1,000 a month on top of what you're already making, you may be able to stash something aside. You can set aside maybe $10, $20 a week even, $100 a month. Set it aside, put it in an emergency account, help that account build over time. So now you're ready if there's an emergency or if you, your car breaks down, you're not at risk of a total disaster. Unemployment is put in place for those that lose their jobs to help you with that transition. But guess what, guys? I've been on unemployment before, 
right? I've been unemployed. Most of you have been unemployed. I know, I know you have. Um, and when you go to that unemployment line, what happens? They pay you a percentage of what you're making. So even if you max out your unemployment benefits with your state, or your city, wherever you're collecting your benefits from, guess what? It's not going to be 100% of what you were making prior to that. So it's to help alleviate the pain um, associated with that. So if you have your universal basic income on top of unemployment, that's really going to help um, you get by in times when you lose a job. Most often, you're losing jobs through no fault of your own because of corporate layoffs, corporate consolidations. Um, other benefits, it can increase bargaining power for workers. Um, because it is a guaranteed unconditional income, it's going to help you leverage um, bargaining with your employer. It's going to help people that are in abusive working conditions not have to work in those conditions. It gives you more options, frees up choice for you to do what you want. It can encourage entrepreneurial efforts because it provides the basic needs in the early days of the company. All right, so that's what Andrew Yang is arguing. He's arguing that it's going to encourage entrepreneurial business efforts, that it increase bargaining power for workers. And I totally agree. Now, here's some cons, right? So the biggest con that you're always going to hear is that it may cause inflation, right? Inflation is going to be triggered because of the increase of demand for goods and services. Um, people will argue that if everybody just has an extra $1,000 a month, then that's just going to raise the prices on everything across the board. And so the effects are not going to be felt. You're not going to have an increased standard of living in the long run because of the inflated prices. Now, I don't know. I mean, there can be an argument made that it will cause some inflation. There can be an argument made that it won't. You know, we can argue that. You won't know until it happens, but let's be real about it. I mean, I think that if you're paying a certain amount of rent and now everyone's getting an extra $1,000 a month, your landlord is not going to raise your rent by $1,000. So I think that overall, even if there is some slight inflation, overall – your cost, you're, you're still going to benefit. You're still going to be walking out with more money in your hand than you had if it wasn't there. And let's let's be honest, it's a real competitive world out there. So the market will demand what the prices are. I don't think that if people are making more money, that's not necessarily going to lead to higher prices across the board in the type of environment that we're working in. So another argument is on the fact that it's not enough for poverty-stricken families. And, and it's true. I mean, if you're one person and you're bringing in $1,000 a month or, you know, what Yang is advocating is $1,000 a month, um, that is not enough for poverty-stricken families. And that's true. I mean, nobody can really live off of $12,000 a year. But now if you have two people and you're making $24,000 a year, it's not hard. It's a lot easier for you to get over that curve. It's a lot easier for you to be able to take a lower wage paying job and still be able to make ends meet. Whereas if you didn't have it, you're in a, a disaster situation. There's no hope for you. So yeah, it may not be enough, uh, but it's something and something is better than nothing. So I would, I would strike down that argument. I don't think that's a valid argument. Another one says that free income may disincentivize people to get jobs. And make work seem optional. That's just the one that I hear most often. People say, "I don't want, I don't want to just give people money." If we give people money, that means they're not going to work. People need to work for their money. I work hard for my money. No reason why anybody else shouldn't work hard for their money. But you know what? I get that. I don't think that if people get a thousand dollars a month, that means they're not going to work. People are either lazy or they're not. So if somebody's lazy, chances are they're not working now. If they get a thousand dollars a month, they're not going to work then. If people are working now and are getting $1,000 a month, chances are they're still going to continue to work. And they're going to use $1,000 that goes straight into our economy. Now, 
people will argue that they sh- you know you shouldn't give handouts. But here's the thing: because it is universal, by its definition, it's universal. So everybody is receiving it. So now this is going to take away a lot of the arguments that it, it favors one group versus the other group that there's people that are taking advantage of it that there's people that are lying and cheating and and stealing taxpayers money just to get over on the government guess what everybody's receiving it do with you want with it um so you're not discriminating it's not giving advantages to 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 one group of people or the other so the, the fact that they're saying that it's going to disincentivize people to get jobs i don't buy it i don't think that's a valid argument i think that people will work they will appreciate the extra money, and if it allows them then to, to make some different decisions about how they work their career, how they work for their freedom, or how they you know, build their lives, then that's fine. That, that's part of being an American and one of the great liberties that we have here in this country that we're able to do that. You know, um, some people argue that free income could perpetuate the uh, falling labor force participation rate. So what they're saying is that it kind of goes along hand with it's going to disincentivize people to get jobs. If people are getting $1,000 a month as universal basic income, then they're not going to participate in the labor market. So that would be true if it disincentivized people to work. If it disincentivized people to work, then yes, they're not going to go to work. So that will lead to a falling labor force and, and decrease that participation rate. What this will do is that it will create the market to readjust what it pays people because now if somebody's getting a thousand dollars a month they're working one main job and they have an update they're they're still a little bit under what they need to pay per month so they would typically go out get a low wage paying job to make ends meet now they have a thousand dollars maybe they don't need that low wage paying job so what it's going to do is going to force business owners it's going to force the marketplace to increase the wages and if it increases the wages, I think that's a good thing. And it really takes the burden off of our government on this raise the minimum wage argument that we've been fighting for years and years and years. I think it's ridiculous that we're still sitting at, what, $7.25 is the federal minimum wage. Most employers at this point in time understand that nobody, nobody can live off of $7.25 an hour. Most companies will pay you at least more than that, I think. Yeah, average of eight twenty-five. There are some states that took the initiative to keep that rate at a higher rate, just because of the cost of living in those cities or those states seem to be higher. But we were counting on our government. There's a lot of uh, a lot of problems, a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of political maneuvering in order to get find people that support that that will actually put this into a federal law. So, if you give everybody this basic income, I think that argument for the federal government to handle is off the table. The government doesn't need to worry about it. They did their part. They're providing everybody with some money. It's now up to the marketplace to sort out what they need to pay people. So if people aren't working at their organization, if they decide not to work at fast food restaurants because, guess what, it's not paying them enough, then it's up for the fast food restaurant to decide, you know what, well, maybe I need to increase the amount of money that I'm paying people. Maybe I spend less money on marketing. Maybe I spend, give less money to my CEO and my corporate executives, give a little bit more money on the bottom half of, of this uh, income inequality, pay people on the front lines more money. That way it will give them a little bit more incentive and a little bit more juice for them to jump on board and work for the organization. So I think that that is a good thing. So out of all these arguments, all of these kinds that you'll hear, um, the only one that's really valid in my book is not enough money for poverty-stricken families. 
and I say something is better than nothing. So if we're doing something to help them out, then that's a good thing, right? So you can't argue with the fact that, hey, we're giving you a little bit, we're giving you a little bit of a cushion. I understand you're not going to live uh, a glamorous life off of that, but it, in most cases with a family too, it's automatically going to eliminate a lot of what's classified as poverty here in this country. So with the amount of wealth that we have, there's no reason why we can't make this happen. What you're going to start seeing now, guys, um, in recent events, you know, right now we have to get into it because it's happening, is the coronavirus. The coronavirus is big, it's prevalent, it's here. There's going to be a huge stimulus package probably coming out from the government. One of the things that they have been floating and floating for a long time in helping solve this is universal basic income. They're going to send everybody checks. They need to do it. They shut down pretty much the entire government. Jobs, businesses are going to lose all of their customers. If you're quarantined, you're staying at home, you can't go anywhere. Guess what? Nobody's able to spend any money. Businesses aren't able to make any money to pay employees. So now you have all the employees that are laid off. They don't have any work. They're not making any income. They can't spend anything. Business owners aren't making any money. They shut down. Um, it's going to be, you know, depression type of situation. Consumer spending pretty much is, is a wrap. It's a halt on consumer. The only thing we're spending money on, from what I've seen, we're spending money at grocery stores. We're buying food. We're certainly buying a whole lot of toilet tissue. Uh, off the shelves is madness with the toilet tissue for whatever reason. I don't get it, but hey, that's what's going on. A lot of toilet tissue. There's a run on the stores for that. The other thing that people are buying up are guns. It's been real good for the, the gun industry. Bullets, ammunition, people are preparing themselves. So if it gets really bad and there's a famine and people don't have food, they're scared about getting looted um, and being robbed. And so they're arming up, getting ready um, to defend themselves in that situation and and. Obviously, we hope we don't get there. I don't think it's going to get to that point. I think that we have a, a, a government with enough checks and balances, with enough people in power that have um, influence to make this not an issue. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. But that's the kind of the breakdown on universal basic income. You're going to hear a lot about it. Even some Republicans are coming out. Mitt Romney just uh, you know came out proposing a thousand dollar universal basic income, or basically sending a check to everybody, every adult in America for that amount to help them out during this crisis. So if it's good for a crisis time, what we're missing to the fact is that it's a crisis now because guess what? All of these rich people, business owners, these large organizations, they're losing money because. There is no consumer spending. So now it's a crisis because the rich people are no longer getting riches. So now they see it as, as an emergency. They see it as a crisis. So now it's okay for them to, to let the money flow, uh, flow freely to the average American so they can spark some spending to get the economy boost. So what they don't realize is it's been a crisis for the average American for years. The average American have been living in a crisis situation for years. So this kind of perpetuated that. It kind of brought it to the forefront. I hope to see that going forward, people will start to understand that this is a bigger problem than they, that, that they've let on, that if they're able to be a little bit more compassionate in a time of a national emergency and in fact, a, a national crisis, we have to look at why it is such a big thing. How do we allow ourselves to get in a situation where we, the government has to send people checks because we're asking people to not spend for a couple of weeks? The whole economy is based upon consumer spending 
and it was ridiculous. And I, I did a video on this before about the economy and why it wasn't as good as, as we thought it was because it was all propped up with consumer spending. So now that we're not spending, guess what? The economy is going to collapse. You're looking at recession. Some people are talking about depression. I think that we're in a situation we're going to get through it, y'all. The government is aware of it. Um, there's a lot of people that are putting input into this to, to find a solution that's going to work to prevent everybody from getting kicked out of their homes, losing their mortgages, um, businesses from for going out of business. We'll get through it. It's going to be a, a tough couple of months, guys. Um, so I'm not sure when you're watching this video, but... At the time that this was recorded, the coronavirus has taken over, and it's been really bad. We're starting to see some, some drastic effects. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed this presentation. If you enjoyed the discussion today on a universal basic income, make sure you go in, that you subscribe to this broadcast. We're going to be bringing you new content on a consistent basis. This is the true middle. This is where we look at politics, business, and faith from a real perspective, coming from the perspective of us here in the middle class. I am your host, Paul Malakivi. I will see you the next time. Until then, stay safe, y'all. Take care.